Well, good morning. Welcome to the house of the Lord. Man, I love the way God puts stuff together. Like, I don't ever tell anybody what my message is going to be about. I, most of the time, I don't even tell my wife. But uh, this week when I got done, I texted Kathy and asked her if she could play this song. And then I looked and realized that she already, was already playing this song. So I was like, cool. But then I didn't pay attention to nothing else. So this morning when I got here, I was looking through the rest of the slides. And every one of the songs is about love. The call to worship was about love. And today's message is called God Loves You. So I just love the way God just puts it all together for us sometimes. But before we get started, tomorrow's going to be a beautiful day. And we got a lot of projects that we're getting started. We're going to be putting a, a prayer garden right out here by the street in that dirt spot where nothing grows. And we got a couple of projects we're going to be building for the youth, some games for them. So we're planning on starting about 10 o'clock tomorrow. So if anybody has any free time, some free muscle, uh, we'd appreciate the help. Otherwise, poor Amber, she's going to have to do it all. <laughs> I feel sorry for her. But. So will you please stand? We're going to read uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 13. It says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. And endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are, prophe- but where, whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but, when, when, but then face to face. Now I know in part. But then I shall know, just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for this opportunity just to come here. Father, we thank you what's going on in this nation right now. Father, we just pray that just revival will just continue and just will spread. Father, I ask that you'll just remove me from the situation, Father, and let your word speak through me. And Father, I just pray that uh, your message will just resonate in our hearts, Father, and we'll take it out and just uh, apply it to our lives. Father, we love you and praise you. I ask these things in your name. Amen. So please be seated. So the past few weeks, we've been talking about how we should act. We talked about making sure that if we were going to observe Lent, that we should do it from the heart and use it in a manner that would draw us closer to God. And then we talked about the difference between religion and relationship and just how important having that relationship with Christ is. And last week we talked about the, about the importance of having a solid foundation in obedience to Jesus. So this week we're going to talk about why these are all important, and that's because God loves you. So we could probably just stop right here. I've been down to the fellowship hall. It smells really good. What else could I say besides God loves you? All right, there's nothing better. Those three little words sum up the entire Bible. Why did God create us in his image? Because God loves you. Why did he set us apart from the rest of the world? Because God loves you. Why did he send his son to die on the cross for us? Because God loves you. 
Why did he give us an instruction manual on how to live? Because God loves you. Why is having a personal relationship with Christ important? Because God loves you. Why should we be obedient to his teachings? Because God loves you. And there's nothing, absolutely nothing, that can stop God from loving you. And there's nowhere you can go to hide from his love. And it doesn't matter how far you've strayed. It doesn't matter the things you've done in your life. It doesn't matter if you read your Bible every day and you try your hardest to live the most Christ-like lifestyle you possibly can. Or if you're the worst of the worst, God loves you. See, God knows all the things that I've done in my, in my life, and yet he still loves me. When I was living in the pits of hell and most people had turned their backs on me, he reached down and pulled me up because he loves me. Isn't that awesome? Not that he pulled me up, but that his love for me wasn't based on my performance. I was driving down the fast lane on the broad highway headed for destruction when his love saved me. I was wanting my life to be over, and he gave me a new life. And I'm sure many of us in here have experienced that same love. See, we've all been stuck in the muck at some point in our life, and God has always been there to pull us out. But he doesn't just pull us out and leave us there to fall right back into it. He pulls us out, he washes away the muck, and he gives us new clothes. He gives us a direction to a new path in life and guides us to it. And why does he do all this? Because he loves you. All throughout the Bible, we read about the love he has for us. From the very beginning, when he created us in his image, to the end, when we will spend eternity in his presence. So think about that for a minute. The God that created the universe, the most powerful being ever, loves you personally. At times that can be hard to wrap our minds around, but he loves you. Not just people in general, he loves you personally. He cares about you, cares about your life, and he wants to be every part of every detail of it. See, 2 Timothy, Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. God wants us to know how much he loves and cares for us. So all through the Bible, it talks about, there's verses about love. So I picked out a few of them. There's actually quite a few of them. But, but write them down. <clears throat> Remember them. Mark them in your Bible. Highlight them in your phone, whatever you have to do. And when you're having hard days and things just ain't going the way you want them to go, Go back and read these and just remember how much God loves you. So the first one is 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. It is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. And endures all things. See, this is the perfect definition of love. And no matter how hard we try, we'll never be able to reach this level of love. Only God is capable of loving like this. And although we should strive to be able to love people like this, sadly we are made of the flesh and we are weak. And we all desire to be loved this way. And when we expect it from people, we often get disappointed. But God does love us this way. That's why having a relationship with him is so important. Because once we've experienced his love, it empowers us to try to love others in the same way. So 1 John 4, 17 through 19 says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. 
Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. See, the day of judgment is scary for, a scary thought for some people. But we have no reason to fear it. See, God already knows the things we've done and all the times that we've failed. But because of our relationship we have with him through Jesus Christ, we're saved from that punishment. Instead, we can look forward to it because we know that we will be spending eternity with our Heavenly Father. Romans 8, verses 35 and 37 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other thing created shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See we're all going to have to face hardships at one time or another and it doesn't matter what you're going through. Even in the times that you feel like you're distanced from God, he never stops loving you. See, these verses tell us that there's nothing on earth or on heaven powerful enough to separate us from God's love. And Paul says that through Christ, we are more than conquerors over the trials of our lives and that God's love will protect us from the forces of Satan and his fallen angels. So yes, you will go through trials, but you can rest in the comfort of knowing that God will always be right there with us. Ephesians 3, 17 through 19, says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. See, isn't that great right there, that God's love for us is so great? That as humans, we can't fully understand it. A love so pure that we can't even describe it. See, our love for one another depends at least partly on the behavior and actions of the person being loved. But God's love for us does not depend on anything we do. To know that God knows everything that I've ever done and still loves me unconditionally, that's just crazy to me. How many times do we turn our backs on somebody that's done us wrong once or twice? But God loves us no matter how many times we mess up. And Psalms 5, 11, and 12 says, But let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy, because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You will surround him with a shield. See, God's love is more than just a feeling that we as humans associate with love. His love is a powerful force that protects and comforts us. Not only do we have joy being in God's love, we also have safety. See, he surrounds us with his shield of love. In Psalms 36, 5 through 7, Your mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches the clouds. Your righteousness is like the great mountains. Your judgments are the great deep. O Lord, you preserve man and beast. How precious is your love kindness, loving kindness. O God, therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. So most of us in here have probably been hurt or betrayed by someone that we loved, some more than others. 
and that often makes it hard to, to trust others. You know, once you've been hurt, you don't want to open up to others as easy. But God's love is unconditional. It's in, unmeasurable. He will never fail you or betray you. You don't have to hold back your relationship with him because he is completely trustworthy. You can let the walls come down. Because people may let you down, but God never will. Because his love for you is personal. 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. See, God calls us his children. You know, we hear that a lot, but let that really sink in. God, the Heavenly Father, the Great I Am, the Creator of the universe, calls you His child. And that's right now. You're His child at this very moment, not sometime in the future, but at this very moment. The instant you accept Him as your Lord and Savior, you become His child, not just His friend, you become His child. He delights in you, and he wants the very best for you. He wants to fill your life with joy. And knowing that we are his children should encourage us to live as Jesus lived. Ephesians 1.5 says, Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasures of his will. See, predestined us to adoption is another way of saying that salvation is God's work and not of our own doing. You know, there are a lot of times that people have children by accident. Not that they're a mistake, but that they were God's plan and not our plans. So you can't accidentally adopt a child. You choose to adopt, you choose to love, and you choose to care for them. And God chose each and every one of us. And we have been brought into his family and made heirs right alongside Jesus. And of course, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Of course, you know we can't talk about love without bringing up this verse. It's probably one of the most quoted verses there is. Because as a parent, we know the love that we have for our children is the deepest love you can possibly have. And there isn't a parent in here that would willingly let their child die. Honestly, most of us would rather give up our own lives in order to save our children. But God loves us so much that he willingly sent his son to earth to live as a human, to be beaten, tortured, and hung on a cross, to die for our sins so that we could become his children as well. Now that's real love. And see, God loves you just the way you are. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, we don't have to wait until we clean ourselves up, for God loves us. He loves our dirty, filthy selves. Lots of times, he comes, comes to us when we're in our lowest, darkest, dirtiest point in our life. He loves us when we don't even love ourselves. All we have to do is accept his love, and he will clean us up. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. I love that it starts with, but God. That's got to be one of the greatest two words there is. We were dead in our sins, but God. We were rebels against him, but God. 
We don't deserve to be loved unconditionally. But God still loves us anyways. But God loves us so much that he loves us where we are, but he doesn't want to leave us that way. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15 says, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge this, that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So even though, even though God will come to us at our lowest points, he doesn't want us to live there. He wants us to grow and change for the better. He sets limits and rules in order to guide us to make better decisions, the same way we do as parents for our children. And once you begin that relationship with him, you'll experience his forgiveness, a forgiveness that will allow chains to be broken and a weight to be lifted from you. This allows you to go from the negative aspects of your past and move forward into positive change. Romans 5, 5 says, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is, who is given to us. See, God loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to be in every fiber of your life. And when you start your relationship with him, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. He's with you in the good times and the bad times. He never leaves you. You can choose not to listen, but he is always there waiting for you to turn back and to seek his wisdom and his comfort. And the Holy Spirit will help us experience and better understand God's love for us. So when I was studying for this message the other day, I came across this article written by a retired colonel and a Vietnam veteran. And he was talking about how one day this little girl was hit with some shrapnel and a a Navy doctor and a nurse came and were trying to help her and, and realized that she needed to have some blood transfusions. Of course, their blood didn't match, so they, were, they didn't speak no Japanese. The doctor spoke very little, and the, the nurse didn't speak any. So they were trying to tell the other kids at the orphanage and the workers at the orphanage what was going on and that, they needed, that the little girl needed blood or she was going to die. So finally, a little boy put his hand up and then pulled it back down. And then he put it back up. So they grabbed him, they tested his blood, and it was a match. So they stuck the needle in him, hooked him up. As they started drawing blood from him, he started to cry. But it wasn't tears of pain, it was tears of sadness and sorrow. Just those big tears, you know, we've all seen our kids do. And they were trying to comfort him, but they couldn't talk to him very well. So another nurse came in that spoke Vietnamese, and she started talking to him. And after a little bit, the boy stopped crying. And the other nurse and the doctor asked her, you know, what was going on? And uh, she said the little boy had misunderstood, and he thought he had to give all his blood, and he was going to die in order for her to live. So they asked him, you know, why would you do that? And he said, because she's my friend. You see, John 15, 13 says, no, greater love has no other than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. First John three sixteen says, by this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. See, Jesus willingly laid down his life for us. Not only did he die for us, but he also suffered the beatings, and the whippings, and the torture before being hung on the cross. Why? Because God loves you. And because of the love he has for us, and the love we have for him, we should be willing to lay down our lives 
and live for him and to glorify him in all that we do. See, I love that song, Amazing Love. I'm not going to sing it to you because it wouldn't be good, but I'm, gonna just, I'm just going to read it. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my king, would die for me? You see, every other religion in the world is based on what you can do, but not ours. Ours is based on what our king did for us. Amazing love, I know it's true, and it's my joy to honor you, and all I do to honor you. Will you please stand? You know, I love this message of love because this is what it's all based upon. And in this world right now, it's filled with a lot of hate, but you can see God moving. You can look at the thing that's going on in Kentucky right now and how it's just spreading to other colleges and how people are driving thousands and thousands of miles just to be there. Man, it's a beautiful thing. And God is just showing his love and showing his power right now. So will you pray for me? Or pray with me? Pray for me too. <laughs> well, Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for us. Father, we just pray that this revival that's just going will just continue to spread and to spread through all throughout this country. Father, we know that revival starts in our hearts. I just ask that you'll touch each and every one of our hearts. And Father, just give us opportunities just to serve you and just to share your love with others. And Father, we just ask that you'll be with us, guide us in all we do. Just let everything we do glorify you, Father. We love you and we praise you. We ask you things in Jesus' name. Amen.